0: was always something I had to go get a rent check here I had to run to the bank there I had to show up to closing over here I had to, and, and it's like you I just felt like I could never get away and we couldn't really vacation and that's so important to us and that's why again self-awareness strengths and weaknesses what are your goals uh, to us it's a lot about travel and passive investing is a lot about lifestyle Welcome to the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today.
1: Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining me today on the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, episode number 14. This is your host, Travis Murphy, and I'm very excited about today's show. We've got another awesome invest guest lined up a fellow Travis, which is a first. So you're going to be hearing Travis interview Travis, which is pretty wild. Uh, but before before we dive into that, uh, I want to remind everybody: if you're listening to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of our future shows. As well, if you haven't checked out the Investnest.com already, please go visit the website and create your free investor profile. It's very easy to set up, and once you log in, you can have access to our articles and blogs as well as network with other members. Um, and of course, follow along on all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. All right, so now let's get, let's get on with the show. Uh, I'm gonna welcome Travis Watts to the show. He's been investing since 2009, uh, but he's got a ton of things going on. So I'm gonna give him a quick introduction and then let him tell us a little bit about what he does. Travis, Welcome.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Travis. I am thrilled to be here. This is perfect. I'm so glad you reached out because I have two things real quick uh, that I'm super excited about. One, I love to educate others. So as far as your site and your blogs, your articles, your content, that's fantastic. And two, I'm a huge advocate for networking and meeting others in the space. So what you're doing is fantastic. And thanks so much for the invite.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're very glad to have you. All right. So for everybody out there listening, Travis, he's the real deal. This guy is legit. Um, he, he's he got a lot of things going on. He's done investing from what I understand. I don't know Travis well, but from what I understand, he's done residential, uh, multifamily, and it sounds like maybe even some syndicating. I'm not positive, but uh, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do?
0: Sure. Yeah, I'll give a real quick uh, backstory here. So as you pointed out, I got started in 2009 in the single family space on the active side. So probably how, you know, 80% of people get started in, in real estate. And so Didn't know what I didn't know, didn't have a a good network, which is why I'm such an advocate for networking and meeting others who are in these spaces doing different things. I just was pushing forward off my own little bubble of knowledge, which was very small. (laughs) I'd read a couple books, didn't really have, you know, a family background in this or anything. And, uh, so i started house hacking you know just renting out a spare bedroom that kind of opened my eyes a little bit to an idea of passive income so you know receiving a check basically that i didn't have to work for per se and so that kind of got the wheels turning a few more books later and got into fix and flips vacation rentals single family buy and holds and i'm trying to manage all of this stuff while working in the oil industry. So 14 hour days, 98 hour work weeks, working out of state, working overseas, always away from home, no spare time. You know, i, I it, it was crazy. And I really grinded it out for many years until I burned myself out, which was yeah. 2015. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a lot of people in my position that are career focused, maybe a doctor, dentist, lawyer, attorney, athlete, business owner, you name it, right? That Maybe you don't want to get out there and be active in this space, but perhaps invest in real estate somehow. So how do you do that? And that's where I discovered passive investing. So today I invest in multifamily through private placements. So apartment syndications with other people who are really doing the legwork. And the heavy lifting, and I'm just kind of the passive side of that, sending in a check and then yeah. sharing in the distribution. So that's kind of the quick recap. So 2015 through today, uh, I'm full time passive, and so a lot of my content, blogs, articles, and and how I help people is on that side. But I'm happy to discuss here today the active and the passive side, and kind of the the pros and cons, if you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's I mean that's great stuff right there. I think it sounds like you took the kind of the natural progression to me with real estate investing. That's kind of the order of things, you know, People yeah. seem to get interested uh, early on when they maybe hear about somebody else doing it or see a TV show about house flipping and the, the the natural starting point is like a house hack, right? It's probably the easiest way to get into investing. It's easier to qualify for the loans. It helps you pay your mortgage and you get a little taste for actual uh, income that you're making without working. And that's usually what gets people excited and then move on from there. Um, so for you, how did you get what was really the deciding factor from when you're grinding it out after all these years trying to work your regular job and then do all these side investments? Was it somebody else that you networked with? Did you have a mentor or was it, was, what was the, what caused the light bulb to go off to make come you know, make that full commitment, that full-time commitment?
0: Yeah, good question. So there were a few things. And I describe it this way, if we back up to about 2013 and 2014. So as I'm moving to that, that burnout, uh, the light, instead of, you know, there being a light at the end of the tunnel, it was kind of closing in for me. And I thought, you know, this is not going to be scalable, this is not going to be sustainable, at least not for me, where my skill set and background isn't being a handyman or being active or building big networks of contractors and all of this. It was just really not my thing. And so now today I'm really big on, you know, self-awareness and and trying to evaluate your strengths and weaknesses and what might be most suitable for you as an investor. And uh, I wish I had gone through some of those exercises back then because I went through it the hard way, you know, just pushing myself right in the middle of it, and then doing a lot of things wrong and burning out, and making mistakes until I decided this really isn't for me. Couple things, uh, I knew I had to make a change in my approach to real estate. Simultaneously, I knew being in the oil industry as such a boom and bust type of you know, career field, I was gonna be laid off or fired eventually. And so you know, this income I had and this job that I had was not gonna be around forever you know, and, and just look at oil today and, and how bad oil companies are suffering. I mean, it, it, had I stayed, I would definitely not be there today. So, um, and it was coincidence that right after I, I resigned, uh, mass layoffs came anyhow, cause oil had fallen out. So I, 2015 was a crazy breakthrough year for me, as I mentioned earlier in our call. Big advocate for self-education, reading books, listening to podcasts, finding mentors, networking. So I did all of that. And on the book front, that was my main focus. And I read 52 books in 2015. So I took a few speed reading courses, figured out how I could actually accomplish a book a week. And, And I did that which I don't recommend because it was way too much information. It was like, you know, just a fire hose opened up in my face, you know, and at the end of the year, it's what was the real practical takeaway here? I don't know. I learned a bunch of stuff about a lot of things, you know, but
1: I mean, that's pretty impressive.
0: (laughs) I guess, but again, you know, what would have been probably smarter is maybe like 10 books that year, five books, you know, and really, you know, diving deep and trying to absorb it, maybe reading them twice, you know, taking notes, taking action as I read, whatever. That's what I did. And uh, simultaneously, I I discovered this passive side. As I mentioned, I, I, I knew people like I was a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad series and Rich Dad Company. Well, I knew he was a passive investor. He wasn't out there, you know, swinging hammers and and flipping houses. So, yeah. like, how do how does that guy do it? And so that's where I discovered syndications. You know, he's in fact uh, he invests as a limited partner as well in a lot of syndications or a JV partner, perhaps, and he has some individual ownership, but everything's outsourced. He's not really doing much of uh, anything on his own. So that's where the light bulb really went off is when I discovered that concept that you could actually be a hands-off investor, not just in terms of like the stock market and publicly traded REITs and whatnot, but in private real estate holdings. And reflecting to myself and thinking, you know, (laughs) I'm doing these fix and flips, I'm not that profitable, I'm not finding great deals, you know, it's a ton of work, it's a lot of risk for me anyway. Uh, I just discovered it's a better approach. Why don't I go seek out people actually doing this the right way that have track record and reputation and, and proof of concept and, you know, they're passionate about what they do. Why don't I just go partner with them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Here's the money, you go do the plan. I trust in your abilities because I don't trust in my own. And, <laughs> you know, let's share in this deal. So that was kind of the light bulb moment. There was, you know, I could, the story goes on and on, but but more or less in a nutshell, that's that's more or less what happened. And I ended up selling all of my single family homes and the house I lived in, going completely liquid, completely cash, and then going into these private placements, just one at a time, done a little over 30 at this point. And awesome. uh, that was the
1: progression awesome sounds like it's turning out well for you uh there's a lot of good stuff there so some of our listeners may not fully understand what we're talking about between you know active and passive even when you're talking about investive you know investing Uh, people think active you're thinking going to a job but what travis is talking about is you know a lot of uh when you're first starting and investing and some people stay in in this arena but it's it's residential either you know single family homes or small multifamilies, one to four units um and you know that you can do good with that that's that's great, but there's a lot of work typically involved, whether it's you're flipping the house, flipping houses or you're self managing or you have to go out and find uh, additional investment properties um to typically rehab them. The next stage on from that is the larger scale uh investments typically multifamily apartments um and what a syndication is is where multiple people come together you said yourself you know being self aware and realizing your strengths and weaknesses. Well, you know, partnering with multiple people, it's not just about bringing money in you, I would imagine you have somewhat of a team. And each each of you guys on your team, you know, have your strengths that you you tackle. Um, But you know, for for many out there getting started in that it does take money and pulling people together uh, with with money allows people to perhaps take on a larger investment that they would not would not be able to, which also for some people out there may not have the time if they have a full-time career and they don't have the ability or the option to quit their job or scale back hours, but they may have accumulated some cash and they want to put it, put it into an investment where they can reap the rewards passively. That's where you come into play. That's what a syndication is. So can you tell, tell some, tell our listeners a little bit more about a syndication and what, what that really means and what, you know, what it is?
0: yeah 100 and and thank you for breaking that down sometimes i get carried away in the jargon and and terminology just so used to you know talking about this stuff daily but yeah so basically if you had asked me back in 2009 about investing in a 400 unit apartment complex and how you go about doing that I probably would have had two answers for you. Either A, you have to be a billionaire (laughs) or two, you have to have like 40, 50 years in the real estate space to graduate to that level. And it's funny to think about that because a lot of folks I realize now actually start in that space. To your point, the medical professionals and as I mentioned, doctors, dentists, lawyers, attorneys, folks that are Typically, you know, just to use a, a practical example, say they're making, you know, 200,000 a year in income Well, they're they're living on 100,000, let's say, and, you know, they've got some excess money to go invest or, or put to work elsewhere. Well, not everybody wants to go dump 100% of that into a 401k or right. into the stock market. And that's where, you know, this real estate piece can fit in, if nothing else, just for a type of diversification yeah. where you can actually be a little... Outside the the public markets, so, um, so yeah, that that that's kind of the beauty of it. So what it is is that you have general partners, okay? The sponsorship team—they're the folks that go out there and they find these opportunities. This four hundred unit apartment complex that we're that we're talking about. And they underwrite the deal, they crunch the numbers, they, they run their surveys, they walk the units, they 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 pair together you know, some attorneys to put some legal docs together and CPAs and property management companies, and they, they piece this together as an investment opportunity. And then what they do is they present that to limited partners, which is what I am, and they're passive investors. And so typically, The passive investors like myself are bringing the bulk of the money to the deal to put down the down payment and the rehab budget, any reserves necessary, just like you can imagine buying a single family home. You've got closing costs, you have miscellaneous things, you know, in a rehab budget to flip a home. So we're all bringing that capital and then we're all sharing in the cash flow if it's that type of project, which is what I invest in and any potential equity upside down the road. As we rehab, bring rents up, stabilize the asset, increase occupancy, things like that, and so you know that that's kind of the circle of life and what we're doing. And so the beauty of it is, from my standpoint, is I can be a partial owner in a 400-unit apartment complex that's not even in my home state that's professionally managed and taken care of for let's call it $50,000. Equally so, you know, in my own market, if I did single-family. I might have to put 50 to 200,000 down just for a single family home if I'm going to flip it, you know? And so it's a nice diversification strategy. A lot of them are only available to accredited investors, which we can get into, but also equally so, a lot are available to sophisticated investors that can just understand the risks and what they're getting involved with and how the business plan works and so on and so forth. So don't be mistaken that all these deals are only for uh, high net worth, high income individuals, but a lot of them are. So something to be aware of. It's a it's yeah. a capital game. You know, it takes a little bit of capital to get going as a limited partner.
1: Yeah, I mean, man, that's there's so much there. I, the multifamily investing, the syndication, what you're talking about, I get I get really excited about that. The financial modeling behind it. I mean, it can be really complex if you want it to be, but the fundamentals of how it works are fairly simple if you can understand a few key. Uh, indicators on the finance on the financial side of things, and mm-hmm. what you were talking about, you know, as far as people putting in the work and, and having to go and renovate the property, you know, the the general partners, um, mm-hmm. not renovate the property but upgrade the property, what have you, that's forced of appreciation basically. And then you, as a limited partner, you get to realize not only the excess cash flow that's coming off of the investment, but also any upside equity gains, which typically is going to come not only from Forced appreciation, but also from your principal pay down over time, um, and all that stuff to me, like I get excited about that you know you can run, analyze a single family or duplex and you can see it clear as day the cash flow and the returns it's going to provide. A lot of people will look at like cash on cash return. well when you're looking at a larger uh, investment scenario like you're talking about a lot of it's the same there's a couple of other things that you need to keep track of, but the returns you're know, not just diversification for people that may not have the time and want to invest passively but it's diversification from the regular public markets but you're also the returns can be great i mean you can you can real you can reap some great returns on like you said say a $50,000 investment but for people that may be interested in in getting into this if they haven't done so already you did mention an accredited investor Can you talk a little bit more about that and what it takes for somebody that may be looking to get into investing in real estate on the passive side in the private markets?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So this accredited investor definition has been around for many, many years, and it's very slow to change and update. It's kind of a somewhat outdated thing. in my. I think it scares a
1: lot of people off too. I think it, it, it puts a fear factor at people and prevents them maybe from getting into investing in these types of investments.
0: Sure, sure, so here's kind of where the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission is coming from, is if you're gonna do a private offering, then perhaps there's a little less reporting and transparency to that, perhaps there's a little higher risk level to that, perhaps, right, it just kind of depends. And what they don't wanna see happen are American people putting in their very last dollar into a high risk investment, and then losing money and then not being able to recover from that, okay? And so what they did is they came up with this definition. It's a much longer definition than what I'm gonna give you. You can look it up on the SEC website, but more or less, if you're an individual unmarried, you need to, and or here, you can choose either side, have made 200,000 in gross income for the last two years with the expectations that you'll make the same in the current year that would be the income way to qualify as an accredited investor or have a million dollar net worth excluding your primary residence and if you're married it's still the one million net worth excluding primary residence but the income requirement would change if you qualify that way for three hundred thousand in combined gross income uh, for the last two years expectations of meeting the same in this year. So their theory is if you're making that kind of income or you have that type of network and you go put 50,000 into one of these deals and it goes to zero, you can still recover. You're not going to be in a financial hardship where, you know, you're doomed. So that's why they came up with this definition. Again, they're they're actually expanding it here recently. They've they've added, you know, they've expanded that definition to go on to say folks that um perhaps have a like like a series seven or or 65 license you know like a a broker dealer type of stuff you know financial planners advisors whatnot that they can be deemed accredited investors just because of the sophistication level that they would have to have being in that profession so you know it's slow that's taken decades and decades and decades to even get that one step in the in the right direction. Yeah. A lot of people fighting for, let us all have opportunities yeah. to the deals, but rightfully so there needs to be some level of regulation, which I agree with. So anyway, it depends on the offering and, and I'm not gonna get down this rabbit hole, but I'll point this out. Uh, there's usually two common ways to structure a syndication. There's a 506C, C as in Charlie, which would be accredited investors only. Uh, And it has to be third party verified by a CPA or an attorney or broker dealer, or you could do a 506B, B as in boy, where if the general partnership so chooses, they can let in up to 35 sophisticated investors, as I mentioned earlier, that have uh, the ability to understand the risks of what they're investing in. They're at a sophisticated level of understanding, but they may not meet that income or that net worth requirement. And so those do exist. Those do exist uh, very broadly. You may not have seen them or heard of them because you can't publicly advertise those. That's one of the rulings right. of the SEC. And with the 506C, you can publicly advertise. So that's where a lot of people get this illusion that, hey, all the deals I see that are out there on the internet say 506C accredited investors only. So right, it must right. all be accredited. But it's really not. It's, right. I don't know the percentages, 50-50, we'll call it, but there's certainly a lot you could participate in.
1: So it sounds it sounds like to qualify for the accredited investor, it's more about your net worth, your financial situation. But the point of it is is to make sure somebody kind of understands is at least financially sophisticated enough to understand the investment that they're making. Um and as far as is this is this the case with as far as what the offering is if it's like almost like a public offering or marketed, it has to be only to accredited investors. But if it's something that you would consider more of like a private offering to friends and families, then that kind of is this is would be the, the B as in boy um, example that you gave.
0: Yeah. That's kind of the benefit of doing a 506 B to your point. You can technically allow friends and family to join with you in this investment. Um because of that sophistication, um, you know, requirement or the ability to bring on 35 sophisticated investors. There's one more caveat I didn't mention with 506b. You you must have a pre-existing relationship with the people that are going right. to be investing with you. Right. So you can't call up an operator doing that type of offering as a complete stranger and just say, right. show me your deals. What do you got right now on the table? They can't do that legally. They have to first understand you, your risk tolerance, your goals. What it, you know, It's not clearly defined like each bullet point they have to understand, but they need to have a reasonable understanding of you and your objectives. Then let's say they have a deal come up. 30 days later 60 days later they could email that deal to you and say right. hey we know you you know us here's our latest deal it's 506b uh with a c you can go right to the point you know i mean yeah. someone can technically find it online here's an open deal you know go wire 100 grand to it and there you yeah. go you know, you're, you're invested so,
1: so, yeah. so it sounds it's like it's that pre-existing relationship that needs to be established and i guess even with that from what i understand there's some gray areas as far as what they you know, consider a previous relationship or not. But um, we're probably getting, like you said, a little bit down a rabbit hole. I get a kick out of all this stuff. I really enjoy it. Uh, But real quick, if I can get you before we we wrap this up, if I get you just to tell us, what are some of the, I'm not sure if you're the financial guy or not, or what your role is with with what you do, but like, what are some of the financial indicators that people would look for if they're looking to analyze a larger multifamily investment?
0: That's a great point. So, there's a lot of ways I could answer that question. Uh, I do have a completely free PDF guide. I'm happy to give out to your listeners awesome. and that goes through how to bet a deal, a market, a sponsor, industry terminology, questions to be asking. It's a whole bunch of, it's twenty pages, but it's dense and so I'm happy to give that away if you want to put that in the show notes awesome. um but but basically. What I invest in specifically, I'm I'm a little more conservative in this space. So what I what I don't do is a lot of uh, new development or what they call opportunistic plays. So taking something with 20 percent occupancy and trying to increase it to 100. There's a lot more risk and stuff like that. And in both those examples, you typically don't have any cash flow, at least not for yeah. a while. And because I live on cash flow, that's important, (laughs) you know, that's my paycheck in a sense. And so I look for stabilized assets, which means that the occupancy level is 85% or greater uh, upon takeover. And then we're naturally uh, turning units over. What I mean is we're not kicking our tenants out and going way down on the occupancy and renovating and bringing tenants back. We're starting with the units that are already vacant, day one, renovating them, letting everybody on the property know rents are going to be increasing $50 a month. If you'd like to move into a new renovated unit, feel free. A lot of people take that option. Now their unit that they were in is vacant. And then we're Mm -hmm. going to start renovating those. It's a natural progression. It takes about two or three years on average. And then we get through a large apartment uh, community that way. Yeah. And for the folks that choose not to move out, you certainly don't have to, but the rents are incrementally increasing. So, you know, take it or leave it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's, so. that's
1: back to like, we were talking about like that forced appreciation. That's a whole yeah. nother aspect to the the larger multifamily investing, another benefit that comes into play, you know, that comes into play with it, with it there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on with you with this stuff all day. I mean, there's so many things we haven't talked about the, 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 the ability to leverage the the, the the banks out there, the federal funding that's in place for these type of investments. Uh, I mean, you, you said earlier about one of the benefits of like a syndication is pulling people together for not only their abilities, but also their financing. That's, a, that's another form of leverage. You're not just leveraging banks, but you're pulling people's money together you know, to leverage the ability to buy a larger scale project that you may not be able to, like you said, early on, your thought was, is you have to be a billionaire to do this stuff, which isn't the case, you, you pull people together, you're able to leverage each other's abilities and, and financial strengths and and take something like this down and everybody reap the rewards. Um, well I know you're a busy guy do you, what do you do for fun do you, now that you're a you're you're a passive investor, so I imagine that frees you up to do some of the things in life that you that you enjoy. Can you tell us a little bit about some of some of the the, the activities you have going on in life outside of the investing world
0: yeah you know this is funny <clears throat> i'm i'm a uh a fan if you will <laughs> of the fire movement financial independence retire early. And a lot of that movement, I know it gets a lot of bad rap and people get confused by that acronym, uh, FIRE. But my wife and I watched a really good documentary a few years ago on this. And the couple in that documentary sat down, um, they, they were in San Diego, they had a, a newborn daughter and they thought you know, they're living in a very high tax state, a very high you know, income area, very expensive to live there. And they sat down and they wrote down ten things that make them the most happy either on a daily weekly or monthly basis right and then they shared that with each other. and my wife and I went through that same exercise and so much of those top 10 were about travel. it was about experiences yeah. it was about visiting friends and family which we don't have a lot here locally where, where we are. and um, you know and my by the way my, my wife works for an airline so we we fly inexpensively we'll yeah. say at least for now, the airlines are in <laughs> shambles. But um, but anyway, so we thought, hey, we want a lifestyle that allows us to travel, uh, you know, as much as possible. And before COVID hit, we were going around to Asia and Europe and, you know, all over the place and doing these types of trips. And so for us, it's a lifestyle thing. I specifically remember, all the instances where I felt so handcuffed to the ground when I had all these single family rentals in a 30 mile radius, and it was always something. I had to go get a rent check here. I had to run to the bank there. I had to show up to closing over here. I had, to, and, and it's like, you, I just felt like I could never get away and we couldn't really vacation. And that's so important to us. And that's why, again, self-awareness, strengths and weaknesses, what are your goals? Uh, to us, it's a lot about travel and passive investing is a lot about lifestyle
1: yeah yeah so i mean i think everybody can relate to that everybody out there listening i mean you know, traveling having t- time really i mean and that's the whole thing you're you're either you're either trading time for money or if you're investing passively your money's making money for you to go do the things that you enjoy um well, this has been awesome. I like. I seriously could just keep going, with, going on with you. Hopefully, we'll have you back at some point. Who knows? Maybe we'll even kick off the Travis and Travis Real Estate Show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to. Well, I want to thank you for this, for joining us on the show. Um, I believe your website is Ashcroft Capital um, slash Connect with Travis is how people can reach you. But if you could just tell us real quickly, where can people find you? If you have anything that you're offering right now, anything that you know, anything you want our listeners to hear. Know about you.
0: Sure. Before I forget, I mentioned that guide earlier. So, to your point, ashcroftcapital.com forward slash connect with Travis has two things on there. It has that 20 page free PDF, there's no upsell to it, it's just 100% value add to your listeners. Number two is on that same page you can book a 15 minute Q&A call with me. Again, I don't do coaching or mentoring on a paid service or platform. This is just free Q&A. Anything we discussed here, I know a lot of it was uh, you know, complex and, and there's a lot you know, deeper we could go. And I'm sure a lot of people have questions about their own situation and how what we're talking about may or may not pertain. So please take me up on that offer. That's how I give back is I give back my time to others. Uh, both actively, passively, single family, multifamily. If I can be a resource, please reach out. Uh, Ashcroftcapital.com forward slash connect with Travis.
1: Okay, sounds good. And then I guess social media, your Instagram, Facebook is Passive Investor Tips. Passive. That's yeah. right.
0: Yeah, I didn't mention it. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and you know, all over the place. So Google me, <laughs> Travis, okay. Ross, and uh, you'll connect with me somehow.
1: Awesome, awesome, well, thanks so much, Travis. I really appreciate you joining me. This is probably one of my easiest podcasts because i didn't have to worry about forgetting the the, the guest's name, so that was helpful. Um, very cool stuff thanks for joining thanks for joining me. hope to have you back and thanks everybody out there for listening uh, This is the, Travis Murphy, your host of the Invest Nest real estate. Investing Show. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And please follow us on all our social media at, at The Invest Nest and check out TheInvestNest.com. Travis, thanks again, man. It's been great. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us on The Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show.
0: Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today.